Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 83. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hope that you are having a great week and um, things are going well for you. I tell you, you know, deer season and elk season and mule deer season and all seasons are just around the corner. We're in August, ladies and gentlemen, and we're at the tail end of August. And here before too long, going to be getting into September, then sweet October and awesome November. And it's just going to be a, hopefully a good fall. And I'm I'm wishing the very best for you. I thank you guys for listening to this podcast throughout the summer. We've tried to have some really good guests on, and today is no exception to that. And, uh, you know, I just think about those moments that we're all looking forward to. And, and part of what's cool about hearing a hunting story is it, it, it puts us in that moment that we're all hoping happens this fall, right? That moment where we're there and that deer steps out just the way that we need them to or the way that we planned or maybe we didn't plan and we get that chance to take the shot. Man, I, I hope that we are ready for that this fall, and uh, I hope these stories get you fired up. Today's guest, his name is Scott Serapa. Scott is a truck driver. Uh, he actually lives in Arizona right now and uh, grew up hunting in Kansas, and he's got some great hunting stories about how he got into hunting, some hunts with his dad. We talked some big bass fishing with his grandpa. And uh, just have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there are he is a truck driver, so he's got a busy schedule and a lot of things going on. So there, you will notice toward the tail end of this podcast, there are uh, some background noises and some things like that. But Scott does a good job just kind of keeping it going and, and pushes through all that and gives us some really good stories. So I hope that you guys enjoy this one. Check it out. Here is Scott Sarama. All right. Coming from the road tonight, I got Scott Sarapa. How are you, Scott? Oh, I'm all right. How are you, Travis? Oh, doing great, man. What you into? Oh, just getting loaded down here in Saginaw, Texas. Um, loading some uh, dry load produce so I don't have to run my refrigerator. Oh, good deal. So where where's the destination tonight? Edmond, Oklahoma. Okay, I actually know where that's at. Uh, I don't know where you're at in Texas, but I know where that part is in, in Edmond, so... I'm so. just outside of Fort Worth there. So Okay, cool. So you're a truck driver by trade, I take it? Yes, sir. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long you've been doing that? And uh, just give us a little bit of your background there, Scott. Well, I'm 26 years old. Uh, I've been driving truck for the last two and a half years. Um, I've hauled anything from flatbed to oversized to cattle, hay, you know, all that good stuff. Um I've got really got into the hunting when I was probably about three years old. My dad said, "Let's go uh, rabbit hunting." Yeah, where'd and, you where'd you uh, grow up, real quick? Uh, I grew up in, around Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, okay. My dad was Army, so we moved around a lot. So, kind of, I grew. I lived. I spent six years in Alaska, uh, two years in Texas, a year in Virginia, and. I've been in, was in Kansas for about 14 years, and I just recently relocated to Arizona. So you literally could sing the song, I've Been Everywhere, man. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> six years in Alaska. Wow. So six years in Alaska. So now I'm, I'm guessing that you didn't get to do much hunting up there, right? Uh, I used to go out checking 
and baiting the bear stands with my oh, dad and wow. I'd shoot grouse with my BB gun because I, I wasn't old enough to carry or shoot a deer. I mean, or shoot a deer, shoot a bear. Right. I apologize. Um, I went on one moose hunt, but wasn't able to connect with anything. Um, I always wanted to go caribou hunting, but we never did get to go. Mm. Yeah, that's um, neat. I've been to Alaska. I, I, I think it'd be a dream to hunt up there. That'd be neat. So. Oh, it's amazing. So I cut you off there. So how were you, you were saying that you were getting into hunting at a young age. Uh, tell us about how you got into hunting, Scott. Uh, my dad, he's from the Morgantown, West Virginia. Okay. So, and his dad, he's a true hillbilly. <laughs> he, <laughs> he spent his whole life hunting and fishing for food. Like they hardly ever went to the grocery store. And my dad, I mean, he was a little more ethical than that, but yeah. we, uh, we, he started taking me hunting when we moved to Kansas, like for real, not just, you know, walking around the BB gun. Um, <laughs> we went out for rabbits and squirrels. Unfortunately, we didn't see any rabbits, but I did get to take a squirrel with 410. Mm. oh that's 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 always a cool that's i think that might have been my, the first thing i ever killed too was probably a uh probably a squirrel that's awesome i think i remember you saying that and i think it was like episode 25 oh man that's been a while <laughs> <laughs> i've probably said it again if anybody listens to this podcast they probably know that i've only got about six hunting stories and i just repeat them over and over again scott <laughs> well i know your your podcast has kept me sane going down the road oh you know, i appreciate that us truckers aren't very nice when it comes to verbal language. Yeah. But. Oh man, I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I like it. I mean, it's a really cool podcast. I was, I had always wanted to get into podcasts, but never really could find one that I liked. And yeah. then I, I searched hunting podcast on Pandora and came across your podcast. And as soon as I started to listen to it, man, I was hooked. Oh man. I, I, I'm honored. Thank you, man. I, I tell you what, I love, I, I don't just, I don't know if I talk a lot about other people's podcasts, but I listen to a lot of podcasts too, besides my own. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, I, there's, I got, what got me hooked was, uh, you ever listened to the Wired to Hunt podcast? I have not. I have heard you talk about it, but I have yeah. not listened to it yet. I, I like Mark Kenny. He's down to earth guy. He's not some know-it-all snob expert. I, I just feel like he, you know, it's a longer show, but he has a lot of good guests and, um, so yeah, I enjoy that, but there's just a lot these days. I've been kind of enjoying uh, Dr. Grant Woods kind of getting into more of like the biological side of deer and all that. But I tell you, it's just fun. It's fun hearing different guys hunting stories and perspective. So I really appreciate you coming on sharing yours tonight. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to come on your podcast. So you got into squirrels there early on and then uh, where did it go from there? Oh, well, it went from squirrels to dove. Uh, I wasn't old enough to hunt deer yet. Um, dove was, dove's still one of my favorite things to hunt. Yeah. Um, mainly how do you, because it's how do you go about doing that? I know guys love it and I've seen dove, but I wouldn't have, is it just one of, is it kind of like, uh, you know, you flush them? Do you use a dog on dove? How do you dove hunt? If I, you if can you can use a dog. Um, the way I was grew up doing it, we would go sit on a pond. I know okay. we get permission from farmers to sit on their farm ponds and their pastures and just wait for them to 
fly in and as they fly in you shoot them and if you have a dog you can the dog will run over and pick them up bring it to you uh i honestly i was dog growing up dove hunting so i had to chase the dead (laughs) birds um but i know i've hunted cornfields bean fields it's really hard to hunt dove and bean because if you don't watch exactly where they drop you'll never find them yeah that would be tough No, I was just curious about that. I've I've heard guys that just absolutely, you know, eat it up. And I, I'm just, I'm not much of an upland game hunter. If you've listened to the podcast much at all, you can tell that. But it is something I'm like, yeah, it would be a lot of fun just going out there. A great way to pass the time. And I hear they taste pretty good too, really. Oh, yeah. Wrap them in bacon, mm-hmm. salt and pepper them, and stuff them on the grill. Real good eating. Oh, that sounds great. So I know that at some point um, in your hunting career, you got into deer. So about how old were you when that happened and and what got you into deer hunting, Scott? I was about 13 and my dad would go every year. And uh, what really got me excited is we came down, we were living in Texas and we went to uh, over by Phoenix, Arizona. And my dad shot a coos whitetail. It was just a spike, but, you know, that was the most fun I've ever had deer hunting. And that was really my first experience deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, hey, you want to go hunting this year for deer? Yeah. <laughs> so we, Absolutely. We loaded up and I had a, a Savage 2, or no, yeah, it was a Savage 270 with a, I don't remember the power of the scope on it, but it had a scope um, and a bipod. We hunted all through regular season, and I wasn't able to connect. I was just too excited. I, we were walking back to the truck, and we hadn't seen anything. And three does jump up and just stand there. And my dad's like, get out, get out. So, of course, me being excited and not really knowing what I was doing, I dropped real quick with my bipod down, and it spooked them. <laughs> So my mom worked for the city at that point, and she knew a lady that her dad had land, and he said we could come hunt on it. He said he had deer everywhere. So we uh, we drive up to – it was around Roxbury, Kansas area. Um, we drive up there, walk in. It's muddy. Um, trees everywhere. There's cows everywhere. The one thing he said, don't shoot my cows. <laughs> so we get in there and we sit down against a log and squirrels were just everywhere and I was starting to think that you know nothing was gonna happen and my dad taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and behind us here come two big does about 75 yards out and just stand there I turned rested my gun on the log we were leaning against and I squeezed the trigger off I heard the the shot hit. She jumped, ran, and there was a hill with a fence. She jumped over that fence, crashed down the hill, continued to run. You heard her smack into a tree and into another tree, and she fell onto a little dry creek and expired. Oh, man. I ended up getting her in the lungs. Oh, man. What's the feeling like, Scott? I turned around. I looked at my dad. Did I really just shoot that? (laughs) 
<laughs> I was shaking. I get down to the dough and I seen her lying there and my dad gave me a high five and I just couldn't, I couldn't stop lifting her head up and looking at her. I picked her up by her ears and was just looking at her trying to get a feel for her. And then we field dressed her and being as muddy as it was, we, me and my dad both, I mean, I was 14 years old and maybe a hundred pounds. Uh, we tried to drag her out and we got her about, I don't know, I'd say 200 yards up the road. I said, dad, why don't you just go get the truck? <laughs> he was making you work for it. Yeah. He went and got the truck and we almost got stuck, but we ended up getting her out of there. We took her back home to Harrington, which is about an hour and a half drive and, uh, took her to our local processing plant and they took her and they skinned her. And, uh, we had a local taxidermist. He actually tanned the hide for me. Oh, that's really cool. You still have that? Uh, unfortunately, no, I, uh, I lost my house to a flood. Oh no, that's, that's back terrible. in 2016, and I lost all my deer mounts and uh, that hide, and I lost pheasant. <clears throat> oh, that stinks, man. Ducks and all that stuff. Well, that's a really cool moment though that you have with your dad out there, uh, being 14. And I mean, some guys are a little bit younger, some guys are a little bit older whenever they get their first deer. So, like, how excited? Like, if you could rate it, like, how excited are you to have your first deer under your belt? If I could rate it one to 10, I'd probably go a 15. <laughs> it is a good feeling. I could hardly talk. Yeah. Well, that's um, awesome. That's the same thing when I shot my first buck. Um, I was, as soon as I saw him, I looked over at my dad and I was like, it's a buck, it's a buck, it's a buck. And he's like, well, shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> Take us through that. How old were you, like, whenever you got your first buck then? I was, I believe, 16. Okay. Um, I had shot another doe the next year after my first one with my grandpa because okay. my dad was deployed. Um, but I believe I was 16, and my dad had come home around deer season, and we went out. We'd been sitting. It probably – we were sitting in a, in a tree row, and it was probably 20 degrees outside. Mm. It was cold. And again, I had my 270. Here comes five does, and in the back comes a buck. And he kind of steered away and went right in front of me. And the does stepped off to the right a little bit. And Dad was like, okay, I'm going to take a doe, and you shoot that buck at the same time. After I got excited, and he told me just to shoot him. And I put the crosshairs on him, and no matter in a half a second, I had shot, and my dad looked at me and, why? I got him, Dad. <laughs> he ran 50 yards and piled up and expired, and it was just a little eight point. I mean, he wasn't nothing to brag about, Yeah. but he was my first buck. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember going, I got him. My dad was like, shh. <laughs> he, he wanted one of those does, right? Yeah. Did it, was he able to get one? No, not that time. He ended up getting one the next morning. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, man. At the same place, nonetheless. Yeah. I remember that first time um, 
I, and I think I've told this story. I'm sure I have, like I said, I've only got six stories, but my first buck it was my first deer and I was on a deer drive and it was just kind of a, I, I was so lucky. This deer was running for his life. I pulled up as he's running past me and I shot him and I actually hit this deer right between the eyes <laughs> and he, he did a double barrel roll and landed like right next to the township road, you know? And I, I just remember that feeling of, not only was it wasn't my first deer, but it was a buck. And I just, to me, I mean, that buck probably was like, seriously, he had, he was a six point. He probably was less than 50 inches, you know what I mean? <laughs> but to me, that buck was a giant in my mind. And I started yelling, hooting, and hollering. And the reason was I wanted everybody, like the next driver over, I wanted them to know that I had shot a deer. I was just so proud of that moment, you know? My biggest deer was an eight point as well but he was probably 180s mm -hmm. wow. um out in kansas yeah yes sir that's a big deer tell us about that scott <laughs> you got my uh, attention now that, we went from talking about my little 40 inch 50 inch deer to 180 that's that's a whole different ball game there yeah he was he's a big deer and uh i was again running late on season it was the last day of regular season firearm. Um, How long ago was this, Scott? Ooh, I want to say I was, yeah, I was 17. It was right, it was the year after that I shot that little eight point. Okay, gotcha. Um, so it's been almost 10 years now. <laughs> um, I was running out of places to, or running out of time to get a deer, and another, a guy that, a farmer outside of, Tampa, Kansas, um, which is a little podunk town, uh, told me I can hunt on his place. So he takes me out there and it's actually his mom's place. Um, we set up this field kind of L. It was, it was snowing and you couldn't really see what was in the ground, but this field L'd and the fence line L'd with it. Okay. And I set up right there at that L in my ground blind in the, in snow in a camouflage ground blind i i thought i stuck out like a sore thumb he leaves me and i wasn't in the blind maybe 40 minutes and here comes across the road to my right there were two does walking i was like okay there, there's some movement it was starting to get late and i look up after i was watching these does and i look out in front of me and there's this big old eight point crossing the road into the field that I'm hunting. I pulled up, I'm shaking. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get my glove off to get to the trigger. I couldn't find the trigger because my fingers are so cold. So I ended up using my middle finger, <laughs> got lined up on him and took the shot. And he ran 20 yards and fell on his face and did a front flip. Oh my god! And expired. I it was a double lung and heart. Oh man, that's incredible. It was amazing. I walked up to him, and you know, I knew he was big, but I didn't realize how big he was until I was standing right next to him. Yeah, that's that's a that's a dream buck right there to have one that big. Yes, sir. Uh, when I picked him up, I was thinking because I had, you know, I picked deer's head up before. I mean, they're they're not light. They're just dead weight. Mm -hmm. But I went to pick him up. And like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you a tough question. <clears throat> 
if you had to pick between like which was the better moment was it getting the giant buck or that first deer with your dad i'm just gonna put you on the spot scott what do you think i'm gonna have to say the first deer with my dad because i figure that's what you'd say yeah we we didn't get to do a lot of hunting together yeah. i did a lot of solo stuff and with my grandpa because he was always deployed yeah um he had 24 years in the army and retired in 2012 oh that's awesome uh Huh. I, you know, I think that that just proves a point. I, I think <laughs> and it's probably a good point this time of year. So some of us right now are probably getting some trail cam pic- pictures and driving out and maybe glassing some fields and we're seeing these giants and it just becomes this all consuming thing. And I've talked about that a thousand times, how this sport is, it's the hobby or whatever you call it. It can become an all consuming thing and we focus on that giant buck. But I, I think <laughs> like you just said, shooting that first deer, with your dad, those, those are some of the memories that, that are just so much more powerful. I mean, it's awesome to shoot a 180 inch buck and get that trophy on the wall. I'm sure that feels good, you know, an accolade in some ways, but you look back and you think, yeah, what's, what's my best moments. It's, it's those moments that you're with family or maybe you help somebody get their first deer. You know, those are, those are the moments that you really cherish. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't trade any of it for the world i'm sorry if it gets kind of loud right now no, no uh, problem man. i'm walking back to close my trailer doors you're a working man so i'm all it's all good um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like i said i wouldn't trade it hunting with my dad or hunting period the the way to, to learn how to hunt at all i mean just the fact that got to go yeah i wouldn't trade that for anything absolutely so, Scott, I know that you, um, before we started this, you talked a little bit about uh, kind of getting into fishing as well, and it is the summertime. I have only fished like one time. You know, I'm not the world's greatest fisherman. Tell us about your fishing. How, how is your, uh, you mentioned something about a, a big bass that you caught one time. Uh, yeah, I uh, had went out with my step grandma. We went out to this farm pond. I had a crawdad colored crankbait on. I remember that was my favorite crankbait ever. It was getting close to dark, and my last cast, I cast it out and got, I saw the water swirl. And um, when he, when it swirled, my grandpa was like, you got a big fish. <laughs> I fought her for, for about 15 minutes. And when I pulled her up onto the land, the line fell out of her mouth, and she started flopping towards the water. Oh, no. I threw my pole down and jumped in the water after her and pinned her to the ground right at the base of the water and picked her up and held her up for my grandpa to see because he was across the pond. <laughs> and it was only about, I think we, we, we scaled her at five pounds. I went out with some guys, Scott, I'm, and like I said, I'm not a big fisherman, but whenever I lived up in Canton area, you know, I was out in the city, so I was always itching to get out and do stuff. And, and uh, one of the guys up at the church where I was at, he uh, he offered to take me out on the boat and go out to this. It was this big lake and kind of this very rich, you know, um, kind of you know big scale, uh, big scale houses all on this big lake, lake and everything like that. And he took his grandson out. And we were having fun. They had caught 
I think they cut some bluegill and things like that. And all of a sudden I hit something that was bigger than what I was used to catching. Right? I'm used to catching a little tiny bluegill and it just thrills me because I'm, I'm not a fisherman at all. And I pull up what was probably about, I, I don't know, everybody makes extra exaggerations, exaggerations mm-hmm. but I'd say it's probably at least, you know, a 12 inch walleye. He was a good walleye. Um, wow. And I mean, bad. I was pumped and what made me feel good about it was being went there with that grandpa and he said, he goes, man, that's one of the bigger wall I've ever seen caught in this lake. And he had been, I mean, he'd been fishing there for years and he taught me what walleye cheeks, why they taste so much better. We came back and he fried up some, I thought it was a prank, but he fried up the walleye cheeks and you know, it's just fishing. I tell you what, it's something I wish I did more of because it's just a lot of fun just to get out there and um, you just never know what you're going to catch. You know, it's just a yeah. lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, our, that makes me go back to a few years ago. I was, uh, they stocked our local pond there in the middle of town with trout, with rainbow trout every year. Um, they put five big ones in there that weigh anywhere from four to five pounds. And then they put a bunch of like medium size and some smaller. The way they did it is you, whatever you caught, you had to keep. Mm-hmm because it was a stock. I mean, it, they do it every year. They, they were going to die anyway. One year, I had a rainbow-colored <clears throat> rooster tail. Uh, that thing just ate the trout up that year. I threw it out there. The rooster tail, I threw it out there, and it was it's just a spinner, basically, um, with a tail on it. Um, I hooked into what I thought was a bass until I got it close to the water. He, I saw the, the flash of the colors, flash of silver, and he took back off down deep. Whoa, wait a minute. I get him out of the water, and you can't lift trout because they have really sharp teeth. Yeah. So I went to pick him up, and my grandpa was like, here, have a rag. I was like, why? And then I, I grabbed a hold of him, and he just slipped out of my hands. Oh, I was man. like, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> he was still on the line, thankfully. Yeah. But it's a, if he would have gotten the water, I'd been pretty upset. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, that's cool, man. Well, Scott, I think uh, – Take us back to maybe your last deer. I think we've got time for one more story. So uh, let's wrap up with a deer story. What's what's one more, if you could give us one more real memorable deer story that you have? This last season during early firearms, I had a 30-30 Winchester. No, yeah, 30-30 Winchester. It was a side low gate, iron sights. My buddy had taken me out to a pond and we set up he's like they usually come in on the dam right to my right so we set up to where I was facing the dam I'm sitting in the blind watching this dam and nothing's coming across it mm-hmm. for some reason there's this little like four by three inch hole with a flat covering it on the back of the blind okay I turned and opened that and there was a big old doe standing right there <laughs> right behind me oh man so I pulled the 3030 up and apparently nobody told me the sights were off on this 3030. No, no. Because it wasn't mine. It was the owner of the lands. Um, 
he let me hunt his property and because I didn't have a rifle anymore, he let me use his gun. <laughs> I shot and I hit her back. She ran probably 75 yards and just laid down. So I knew I hit her, yeah, but I didn't know how bad. So I waited there for about an hour and she just kept looking around. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get close to her, and if I have to, I'll put another one in her. I walked right up on top of her. She didn't even move. She just kept staring at me, and I looked at her. I remember saying, I'm sorry, <laughs> and put another one in her, and she expired immediately. Yeah. Um, that night, I had loaded – Loaded her up on the four-wheeler. I walked back to the house, got the four-wheeler, loaded her up, and brought her back. Because that was just behind my boss's house at that point. Put her in the round saw because we were replacing the knives on our, our chopper so we could go chop corn. We get there, and he looks at her. I realized I left my jacket out in the out my deer blind. I, I knew it was going to get cold. So I got on the four-wheeler. This is actually how I broke my leg. Got on the four-wheeler, took off through the pasture. It was dark. For some reason, I didn't turn my hat around like I always do. Yeah. Uh, I lost my hat. For, again, for some reason, I threw my right leg up on the seat, turned to look for my hat in the dark. I don't know why I would even think. I started getting squirrely with the four-wheeler. I was probably doing... 40 when I lost my hat because by the time it all happened so fast I was doing about 30 mile an hour and I got bumped off the side of the four-wheeler I let out of the throttle I was trying to pull myself back up both legs hanging off the side of the four-wheeler and I lost my grip and my leg went one way and my body went the other oh no I'm laying out there in the middle of the factory my boss and the neighbor were up at the round top about 200 yards away, and they, they heard they heard me yelling. And they, they were like, what is that, a coyote? Then they heard me gasp for air and start yelling again, and they were like, oh, that's Scott. They took off, and the, they about ran me over and uh, picked me up. He's like, oh, you broke your leg. Like, yeah, trying to hold myself together, trying to look tough. It hurt yeah, really bad. That's got to hurt. <laughs> I snapped my tip and fib clean in half oh, in the middle no. of my skin. It's terrible. That's got to be frustrating. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty miserable. Um, I know when I, when he picked me up and my leg just kind of went, just dropped, like the lower half of my leg just kind of fell and he was, oh, you broke your leg. Yeah. I mean, I still got the deer. <laughs> so it was a memor. It was definitely one of those, what you'd say a memorable hunt, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Extremely. I'm still living with the. I got a rod in my leg now from my knee down to my ankle. Oh, man. Holding my leg together. He said it, the doctor said it's pretty well healed, but it, could, it won't take the rod out if, for a year unless it really needs to come out. Oh, Ever man. since then, every time I look at a four wheeler, my boss, my old boss, he goes, no. <laughs> Just stay away. <laughs> that next day, um, we had permission to hunt that property right behind their house. Yeah. Because uh, as I found out later, it wasn't his. It was a neighbor lady's. And when she found out I broke my leg, she the next day she went out and painted 
everything purple, no trespassing, even though we had permission. Oh, man. <laughs> she got nervous, huh? Yeah, she got nervous because somebody got hurt. Uh, well, that's uh, that's unfortunate. So, uh, you looking forward to get back? Are you going to, with the t- trucking schedule and all that that you got going on, are you going to have time to get into the woods this year? Uh, yes, sir. I'm actually going to order me a saddle tomorrow. Oh, cool. And um, take a week off come deer season. And I'm, I'm going to do it in Kansas because I have to be a resident for a year in Arizona before I can enter the draw. Oh, okay. Oh, um, cool deal. Well, there are some giants in Kansas, that's for sure. Our buddy uh, Joey's out there, and Joey's had a lot of success and had some great encounters. So that's that's exciting. That's a good place to hunt. My excitement is to go elk hunting in Arizona and uh, desert ram. I've always oh, wanted to hunt desert ram, too. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next elk trip. It won't be this year. Probably won't be next year, but, you know, uh, I can go every few years, and it definitely is something I, I still listen to an elk podcast every once in a while just to kind of get keep my interest there, and uh, it's ex- exciting stuff. But this year, man, it's all whitetails. That's all I'm thinking about, ready for it, and I can't wait, you know, for – and like you said, like we kind of said at the beginning, it's not just about some of those bucks. It's uh, being able to take out some buddies and um, – trying to plan out some hunts where I'm able to go out with some friends and just enjoy getting up, like you said, getting up in the saddle with somebody. And uh, it's just going to be a fun season, I think. So I'm going to try and not go too crazy over uh, getting consumed with just a big deer, but really focus in on friends and, and, and everything yeah, else sir. will work out. So. I would Scott, love to be able to take somebody out. Yeah. Well, man, I, Hey, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I know you're a busy guy there with trucking and that's a, that's a busy job. So thanks for coming on and uh, sharing some of those stories tonight, man. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity again. And uh, I apologize for all the background noise and people trying to talk to me and all that other stuff. (laughs) You're a busy man. That's the thing. This show is for the average Joe that's got a normal job and sometimes that, that happens. So I just appreciate you making some time for us tonight, sharing some of your stories and Scott, I hope you have a great season. All right. I appreciate it. You too. Good luck, man. Yep. I enjoyed hearing Scott's stories. He did a good job with that. And he had to kind of push through some distractions in the background. You know, uh, we had kind of talked about that beforehand. He said he was going to be on the road and I, I asked if that would be an issue and, and, um, he had a few things pop up and man, that happens. But, you know, I was able to edit a lot of that out, but there was a part that I edited out that I went back and I listened to and I just found it kind of crazy. He was talking to me on the phone, trying to tell a story about the fishing part. And a guy comes up to him and starts asking him what I think is a very weird question so i'm going to play this clip for you and uh hope that you enjoy this check it out real quick sorry travis uh no problem man do what you gotta do five five yeah i got here at six i got here at six just deodorant just just deodorant. Oh, what is that? Yeah. Oh, what's the number? Old Spice. Huh? Old Spice. Old Spice. Old Spice. Old Spice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm on the phone. Oh. <laughs> 
So I uh, edited that out. I kind of got a kick out of it, though. I mean, you got a secret glimpse into the life of truckers, and apparently random truckers will come up to you and ask you what kind of cologne you're wearing if you smell good. And and we now, Scott, I'm sorry, we all know that you wear Old Spice deodorant. That might have been more information than you wanted to give the world, but... (laughs) I, I don't do it very often. I try and just keep my podcast natural, but there are some times that I need to go in and I'll just edit a little bit out something that was just kind of, you know, um, a distraction or something that I thought was too much or whatever. And and I, I got to thinking about that, though. It actually serves this podcast really well. I'm glad it happened. Are there any moments in your life, if you're looking at the timeline of your life, like I'm looking at this editing software, are there any moments that you wish that you could go back in and edit something out? <laughs> Maybe it's something that you said, something that you did. Maybe something that, that happened to you. Um, there are moments in life that we're like, man, that was just something, and you can't get it out of your head. Sometimes it just kind of snaps and it pops back in there. You know, Ephesians 2 kind of talks about this a little bit, and it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. What that's saying is, at one time, all of us, uh, we've all done something against God. We've all done something to kind of follow Satan, whether, I mean, we're not Satan worshipers, but we've all done stupid things. We'll just put it that way. And I'm I'm not exempt of that at all. I look back on my life and I think, man, there's some moments that I'm like, I just wish that hadn't happened or I hadn't said those things. You know, there's a way that we used to walk. But here's the really crazy thing that the Bible talks about, is that whenever you believe in Jesus, God chooses to forget those things. I know that we have a hard time believing that, but the Bible talks about that, that God, to him, they're like on the ocean floor. He doesn't remember any of those things that we've done. And I'm just like, how in the world do you not forget that? And it's like God goes in, and because of Jesus, he edits out those moments in our life that are offensive to him. And what he has is the perfect timeline. And it's not because of me, but it's because of what Jesus has done. That's how I see that. I, I just think it's incredible. And, and I, I would here's the challenge. How, do, how does this apply to you? Um, I think sometimes we've got to learn just to let go of our timeline and not let those things come back to haunt us. We've all made mistakes, but what matters now isn't what's in your past. It's the it's the timeline from here on out. What are you going to do with the rest of your time? Uh, what are you going to do with the rest of this episode of your life? That's what matters the most. Um, so we all have distractions. We all have these moments that we wish weren't there, but they are there. They make us better. They make us stronger. And here's the cool part. God chooses to not even remember them. So I hope that that maybe is encouraging to you. Uh, maybe you can let go of some of that past guilt, some of those things that you've been hanging on to, and just move on and focus on the future. Uh, guys, thanks again for coming back for another episode. I appreciate Scott coming on and uh, sharing his stories along with uh, his deodorant choice. <laughs> and I hope that you guys have a fantastic week. Come back next week for another episode. And remember to shed the light.